Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Dave in Alito, how can we help you? Yes, good afternoon, Jim. How are you? Wonderful. How about you? Well, I'll be a lot better if you give me the right answers here. But first of all, I want to give a shout out to Harrington Roofing. I'm sitting here, uh, they did my dome house here a while back, and uh, uh, with all the rain, I'm sitting here watching it run away, and that's good. Yep. They they did a wonderful job. I, I uh, was most impressed with them. Yeah. Um, Jim, I've got a uh, water heater that's died on me, and uh, it's in a water closet with a 18-inch door, and I've been looking for a replacement, and seems like they don't make 18-inch, 50-gallon water heaters anymore. No, the federal government, in their infinite wisdom, has decided that we needed more insulation on our water heaters. And when they did that, that changed the sizes. And so where water heaters... Where a 50-gallon used to fit, it may not fit. You may end up dropping down to a 40. Well, I don't think I want to do that because i got three baths. Yep. And and uh, uh, I've been online looking for replacements, and, and water heaters are a, a movable feast. They change every day. Yep. But um, uh, what do you suggest? I... I may end up having to rip out a door jam to get it in this little closet. It's in the center of the house. Uh, it's electric. And uh, uh, I found a ream unit that's uh, uh, 20 and a half, and that, that would require taking the door jam out to get it in. Yeah, you'd, you basically you'd have to remove the door jam and then reset the door frame once the door is, you know, once the water heater's in there. Um that that it's not as hard as it sounds. The biggest trick when removing a door jam like that is you remove the trim on one side and then cut the nails that were used to hold the door frame in place and just tip it all out as one unit. Uh, make sure that you cut the caulking around the uh, the molding, you know, the uh, the trim around the door where the trim meets the sheetrock. Right. With a razor blade knife because that'll just make it real easy then for everything to tip out. And when you go to back to install it, you've got the trim on one side so it's easy to tip back into place. Now, a lot of times on those little closets like that for water heaters, if you look on the back side, a lot of times they left the trim off. So you may not even have to remove the trim on the inside of the closet to get to the nails. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Um... I'm not capable of uh, physically of doing that job myself. Uh-huh. Um, and I want to get the best water heater I can get that would, uh, that would uh, uh, have some, you know, magnesium anode and a ball valve on the bottom, a brass one. Yep. And, and uh, that, do you have any suggestions on, on uh, the brand for that? No, I mean, Ream, Ream is actually makes some good tank-type water heaters, so I would have no, no issue with that at all. 
Um, if you wanted to take a look at a tankless, which would really fit in there quite well, uh, the big problem with that is you'd have to run more electric to it. Then I would tell you to uh, look at a Cisco. But as far as tank-type water heaters, Ream still sets the standard on most of them. Okay, now, um, my problem is finding one. I've, I've been on the box store. Uh, yeah, quit, quit looking at the box stores and, and start shopping at Morrison Supply, More Supply, uh, one of those type of stores, a regular plumbing supply store. They will have a much better selection, and the water heaters are typically several grades up from what you'll get at the box stores. And to do the job, would you recommend Do West? Oh, yeah, we, we'd be more than happy to help you with it. Okay. Uh, is somebody there today? The, the office is manned today. If you'll call uh, 972-406-0912, uh, she'll take care of getting you scheduled out. Okay, I need to yeah, I need to talk to one of your people there. I don't want to take your time up on the air. But, again, thank you for your help with Arrington and... Uh, uh, good folks. Thank you, sir. You have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Ryan, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Howdy, Jim. How are you? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing well, thanks. I I spoke with you about two months ago about uh, replacing two electric tank water heaters with a tankless yes. unit. And um, we did it, and it worked out great. Uh, I've already seen... The electric bill dropped considerably, and the hot water delivery is there's just no comparison to what we had before. So, uh, my question um, now is we're trying to get this house that was built in 2004 as efficient as possible. We've updated everything to LED lighting, everything's pretty much Energy Star certified. Um, as far as attic insulation goes, we're this house is a metal roof with a radiant barrier. Okay. Uh, but the the insulation in the attic, based on what I've heard on your show, doesn't seem like it's, the, I guess, the R value is where it should be. Normally, so, we're looking with, for about 15 or 16 inches, up around an R39. Okay. And this house has, uh, I guess, their ridge fence. Mm-hmm. Um, on the top of the roof, but there's no uh, no kind of exhaust or, uh, or fans. Is there any benefit to adding that? No. Or In fact, if you've got a ridge wood? vent, you know, the uh, ridge vent, it, you know, across the top, the, the air comes up and it just naturally goes out because hot air rises. Right. And as it does that, it'll be pulling in through the soffit vents. If you added uh, some type of power fan or anything like that, it'll actually start drawing the air in through the the uh, ridge vent instead of the soffit, so you, you actually would mess up your ventilation system. Okay, that's what I thought. So if, if I'm seeing studs all across the attic, it definitely wouldn't hurt oh, to have yeah. someone come and blow insulation all No, over. not at all. Yeah, if, if you're seeing, if you're seeing the, the top of the ceiling joists, I mean, chances are, depending on the house, you're going to have... If you got a uh, truss system, you have two by fours, but most homes have two by six or two by eights on the ceiling joists. Right. So you've probably got less than half of what you need for insulation. Okay. 
Well, that's good to know. Well, I appreciate the advice. You know, a couple months ago on the hot water heater, it was now one worth one the quick expense. note on tankless water heaters. They do need to be flushed. Uh, we, you know, we're a tank type. I'll tell people a lot of times, oh, don't worry about flushing it because, you know, if it gets two years old and you you haven't flushed it, you're getting too much buildup in it already to start flushing it. But on a tankless, it's got a port before and after, and they flush those systems out to keep them working. And, and a tankless type water heater like that can last you 25 years if, if you'll keep it flushed and cleaned out. Absolutely. The plumber um, that we had install it, he will come back yep uh to do that after the first year and we're in college station and the, the water here is just hard and yeah the manufacturer had um a filter uh, an intake filter that's supposed to prevent the buildup on the the heating unit within the tankless good system so hopefully that'll help even yep. more okay well ryan you have a great weekend all right, Jim, you too. Thanks a lot. Take care. One yep. other question while I got you on the phone. Sure. My, my water is, is uh, I don't notice it out of the cold water, but out of the hot water, I notice a sulfur smell. Can I use a inline filter, or would a softener be a better way to go? You, you, you said you're only noticing it out of the hot water side, right? The smell, well, that's correct. Yeah, it's, it's the anode rod in the uh, water heater. Change that out, and the smell will go away. It's a brand new water heater. It's got a bad one in it. It's the anode rod. Yep. Now it could be that somebody used two dissimilar metals, uh, that and the water sits somewhere too long. But if it if it stays the whole time, it's going to be that anode rod in the water heater. I, and, I'm and, not kidding you. This this water heater is like a, uh, not even a month old. Yeah, but I, I've I've seen it before where it's brand new and and the rod broke in shipment. And there you got it. You, you, you end up with that rotten egg smell. But you're so. suggesting also that if it was like that for a long time, it may take a while to clear up. No, what I was saying is if you had two dissimilar metals in the piping, yes. then it would clear out real quick when you run the water. If it's a longer smell, then it's going to be that rod. Alex, how can I help you here? First, thank you for taking my call. And second, I got a uh, driveway that's about... 16 feet wide. I uh, had it poured about a year ago, but now it's holding water on each side of the driveway, about a quarter of an inch. Is there a way to sand that cement so the water will go off that? Undoubtedly, they didn't uh, level it correctly when they put the driveway in. I mean, yes, you can do some things to make the water come off. I will tell you, you probably don't want to grind it, though. And okay. the reason I say that the surface on the driveway is you know is what they call the cream it's brought up to the top the 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 mortar is the portland yeah and that gives you that even color if you start grinding on it you get down to the rocks and not that that looks bad but it would look funny to have some areas with the rock showing and the rest of it not. Yeah, that makes sense. So normally if you want to take care of something like that you just use a saw and cut some grooves into it to allow the water to drain out. Oh, okay. All right. That'll 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 work too. It just in a couple of places it's holding that water and I just want to be able to drain that so it's not sitting on the driveway. Sure. Okay, yep, thank you very much. Do it. You bet. Take care.
Tom, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Okay, one second. Okay, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, we had some new floors put in our house, and up against where there's like some curves on the walls, or uh, up against where there was various walls, uh, it needs to be caulked. And uh, unfortunately, when I look down the floor, there might be two or three inches of space uh, of depth down to like where the slab is. What do I fill that in with? And then I want to caulk over it. Okay, what type of floor did you have put in? It's wood. I don't know what kind. Okay. Uh, I didn't do the remodeling. Well, all I need to know is that it's wood. You, you're going to need to be careful on filling that with, with anything. Okay. Wood typically has to have about a half-inch gap all the way around it. And the reason for that is it expands and contracts with the temperature and moisture changes. Mm -hmm. And so if you start filling all that with caulking, when the floor expands, it will start bulging up in the middle because it'll get under pressure. Normally, you have to leave that gap there and cover it with, you know, shoe molding or cord around or some type of baseboard, you know, something along that line. Okay, and, so and leave you don't it so like that the floor like, can expand. There's not like a, a sort of a soft, spongy sort of nope. wood fill or anything. So that's why the the guys obviously left the gap there. Yeah. Okay, but it, but let me ask you this: in some the gap is only there in some place. I see what they did. They put a baseboard around where they couldn't put a baseboard where it was like doors and stuff like that. They couldn't do it on a curved wall. Okay, you answered my question. Alrighty. Making me look not very smart, but okay. Learn something every day. <laughs> bye bye. Tom, take care. Bye. Here's what I got one uh, that came in on Tuesday from uh, Christopher. Is there a good company that will install a watering system for my house? Well, and the, his subject was watering foundation. You know, a lot of times people are under the impression that watering their yard will take care of the foundation as well. We water our yard with a sprinkler system for the moisture to soak down eh, two, three, five inches, somewhere in that range, to give us nice-looking grass. We water a foundation for the soil to get moist deep down. We're looking for it to go down uh, five, six, seven feet into the ground. So there is a difference on how these things operate. Um, my company, Due West, we use drip emitters, and they're every 12 inches, and each drip emitter puts out 0.9 gallons per hour. And just to give you an idea, we only start these things at typically 15 minutes twice a day, and then they have to be adjusted according to how the soil does as far as absorbing moisture and such. But, yes, if you need somebody for a foundation watering system, Due West Foundation Repair can help you. The number is 972-406-0912. And, uh, you know, that, uh, that'll get you taken care of. Here's a common one from Bo. My new home has a fresh air intake, but no filter for that duct. The intake comes into the plenum before the 4-inch filter. Should it have a separate filter? Normally, they do have a separate filter, and surprisingly enough, a lot of times people miss that filter, and eventually it can plug up, 
to where you're not getting the fresh air that you need. Now, you, you happen to mention that this one is coming in before the 4-inch filter. So it can be that they left it off, but it's normally advisable to have a filter on there. Even if it's nothing more than a 1-inch uh, fiberglass-type filter to, to catch the large uh, particles that would be coming in. You know, feathers and and things like that that could come into it. So, it, if it's is it code? No. Is it advisable? Absolutely. And I really would advise that you get that taken care of. Priscilla, how can I help you? Yes, um, we had our yearly checkup on our AC system, and last year they put two pounds of Freon. We do have a heat pump, a Linux heat pump, uh -huh. and they said that it's low again this year, and they said the leak is in the coil, in the air handler, in the attic, and they okay. want to replace that unit. This is a home we bought three years ago, and the unit in the attic is 12 years old. The part outside, the Linux outside, is seven years old. Okay. So what do you have to say about that? Well, uh, how much do they have to add this year? They didn't add anything. We wanted to see what we should do first, if we should just go ahead and replace the air handler unit in the attic. Okay. We, um, I mean, nothing's, our AC still working, and there's, it's not freezing up, so okay. I don't know. Well, let, let, let's uh, look at this then. The way I like to look at it is through financial. Did they give you a price for replacing the air handler? Yes. And what are we talking? Um, it is, I think, about $4,600. Okay. But 300 of that was having to open up the access to the attic. Okay. And did they? Uh, did you get a price on just replacing the entire unit inside and out? No. Okay. What size unit do you have? Do you know? No. Okay. Uh, I don't. These are the things I would look at. And then I would say, okay, if... $4,600 to replace the inside unit, and I would also find out what my efficiency rating is on the current unit I have. You know, like was it a a, um, a 10 sear or right. 13 or 16, whatever. Given that the inside unit is 12 years old, the outside unit is 7, I'm guessing you're going to be probably between a 10 and 13. So the next thing I would look at then is, okay, if it's 4600 to replace this, and now I've still got a 7-year-old unit outside with a life expectancy of typically 12. So 5 to let's five to 10 years, you're going to replace the outside unit again, and you're just going to keep hopscotching back and forth. If right. I can put in a brand new unit and have both inside and out, and increase my efficiency from, say, a 13 sear and, and kick it up to a 16 or an 18 and spend eight or 9000 to be honest with you, you would be better off to put the new unit in. The energy efficiency savings 
would offset the cost uh, in typically two to three years. But the bigger thing is you're not going to just keep hopscotching back and forth on replacing inside and outside units. You'll have everything as, as a uh, on the same time frame. And you should be good at that point for at least 12 to 15 years. Well, the rub is we are uh, thinking about building a house, but we didn't know if it we're going to be here a year or year and a half. If that's but all you're going to be there, then you replace the inside unit and be done with it. Okay. That's what we needed. Yep. All right. Yeah, because if you told me you were going to be there maybe five years, I no. would still tell you to replace both. But if you're going to only be there up to, up to say, two more years, mm -hmm. replace the inside unit and be done with it. Sounds good. All righty. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye-bye. An email question that had come in, and I kind of found this one to be interesting. Washing machine and bleach use. So here's the question. And, and, and they say, my question isn't really related to home improvement, but I was hoping you could help me anyway. I've been reading online about using drop cloths as drapes, and I'd like to try it. However, the method I found for whitening and softening the cloths calls for placing them in the washer with hot water and about a quart and a half or more of chlorine bleach and allowing them to stand for about six hours before rinsing them. I would have to do this at least six times because of the number of cloths needed to cover my windows. Would this much bleach damage my brand new washer or the hoses? Thanks in advance for any advice you can give me. Well, it's really not going to damage the hoses. The only question I have that it could damage, because you mentioned this is a chlorine bleach, would be any metal that's not stainless. Your tub typically in the washing machine is a stainless steel tub, but sometimes they have other parts in there that aren't. Chlorine can actually have other parts to start to rust, and that rust then starts getting on your clothes. So... Um, I got to be honest, I'm not so sure I would do this in my washing machine. If I did it, immediately I would run it through a wash cycle again with soap in there to clean everything up. But I'm kind of thinking if I was going to do this, because all you're, they're having you do is really have that soap soak in that hot water, I'd get me a big wash tub, fill it with hot water, Put the cloths in there with the bleach and everything and let it sit in that for the six hours. Then move it to my washing machine for the wash cycle. Uh, that way I'm minimizing the amount of the chlorine bleach. Like I said, the bleach isn't what I'm really worried about. It's the chlorine more than anything. If you've ever seen around a swimming pool what happens to the barbecue grill, patio chairs, all that kind of stuff, that's my only concern. And again, the, the tub itself in the washing machine will be fine. The hoses will be fine. It's any metal parts that aren't stainless that can be an issue. So, like I said, get you a wash tub, whether it's a big plastic tub or a big galvanized tub, put the bleach water in there, hot bleach water, and do it that way. Then you don't got to worry about it. Joe, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. How about you? Doing just fine, sir. 
me and my wife were planning on uh, building a house out in the country, and we were just wanted those the pros and cons and the comparison between a barn to minimum or a regular provincial home. Well, it, are you gonna are you gonna want a lot of uh, shop storage? Yes. Then, quite frankly, those barn miniums are extremely cool. Is this going to be your full time live in or just weekend yes. place? It's be full time. Okay. Here's here's the thing that you got to be aware of. Most barn miniums are metal buildings, and when it rains, you will hear the metal bill. You know the the rain hitting the metal buildings pretty loud. Um, yep. Beyond that, I I have offices that are. Uh, metal buildings uh, you know where it's basically like the barnuminium part of it is office space part of it is shop space beyond that i love it that is the only downside that i have seen on it at all uh, so if i was obviously i i believe in it or i wouldn't have built my office that way uh cost wise You'll find that it's usually a little bit cheaper to build the barn dominium than it is to build conventional stick construction. However, it's not a great deal cheaper. And the reason it's not, you've got the, sh the metal building, and then you're still going to have to put the 2x4 studs up inside to put your walls up and hang sheetrock and all that kind of stuff, you know, if you're going to have it finished out. So, you know, a, a regular stick construction is nothing but 2x4 studs as well. And so you're really not saving anything on that. You've got your uh, siding. The metal building is, is your siding. So that, that's the only savings as far as that's concerned. Energy efficiency-wise, they're actually pretty energy efficient because, you know, you hear me talk all the time. I like spray foam insulation in the walls because inch for inch it gives you the most R value and use fiberglass in the attic because it keeps your your home breathable well on a barn dominium you've typically got 16 inches that you can put wall insulation even because your your stud walls come in off the wall a little bit you got plenty of room for insulation in the walls and up in the attics and stuff so they're very energy efficient that way and if you got to work on anything again it's real simple to work on them so I like them. All right, thank you for your information. I appreciate it. You bet, Joe. Take care. Gary, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, sir. Uh, I wanted to know uh, your thoughts on materials and methods to use to remediate a uh, severe mold problem. How did you get the mold? It's in a in a house that's been vacant for some time, and it uh, has water damage. You know, with bad bad leakage in a in a roof. Okay. And has it been tested for what kind of mold it is or anything? No. Uh. -uh. Okay. Typically, they end up going in testing, finding out what kind of mold it is, and you know, if it if it's the bad mold, then they want to start sealing everything off. People go in with respirators to to remove any insulation, sheetrock, any of that stuff that has it on, and then it all gets replaced and built back. In reality, in most cases, you could simply go in and remove 
the wet sheetrock, remove the wet insulation, treat the wood with an enzyme that kills the molds and bacterias, and then seal them and build back at that point. What that does not do, though, is uh, it doesn't clean the air in the home. And so a lot of times that's part of the mold remediation process, and that's the reason they go in and do the testing. Because if it's a bad type of mold, if you do that and the mold spores are spreading throughout the house, they can grow up somewhere else. The thing is, though, they've got to have moisture in order to develop. So if the house is kept you know, clean and dry, they'll never develop. But the minute there's a leak or something, it, it can reemerge. Re do the do the any contents in the in the in the house need to be treated also, or do they need to be removed first before any treatment? I would remove them, and if it's a cloth type uh, item, it needs to be dry cleaned or washed or or whatever. Any hard surface needs to be scrubbed with the enzymes to to kill everything. Um, so. In essence, yes, you need to remove everything out. What What is this uh, enzyme that you're speaking of? Well, is, you know, it, nowadays, it, they, there's a lot of products out there. Instead of just using bleach on everything, because bleach doesn't kill all molds and stuff, uh, they make products with enzymes in them, which is a little bacteria that eats away at the bad bacteria, basically. I mean, that's the easy way of putting it, but they've got them for, uh, like, if you get uh, a pet that urinates on the wood floor or on a concrete floor and it soaks in, they've got enzymes you can spray on that that will soak up the urine and take it out. Just And they've got enzymes for doing molds and mildews and stuff. Um, spray and forget. Wet and Forget are two brands of an enzyme cleaner that actually kills molds and such. So, is, so is, this is a, a liquid liquid product? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What about uh, some type of a gas? Is there some type of, of a gas product that would do the same thing? There probably is, but I'm not, a, I'm not familiar with them. Uh, but I'll tell you who is familiar with doing all that, and that's Dalworth. They have a, a regular restoration department that could probably tell you all about that. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to ask you, you know, what, what type of type of company do I need to call? Uh, there, there are regular mold remediation companies and restoration companies, and Dalworth happens to be one. Um, you see, uh, ServPro, they mm -hmm. do, they do it. But I don't think ServPro would be as willing to share information with you as Dalworth might be. Okay, okay. Well, very good, Jim. I appreciate your help. You bet, Gary. Good luck with that. Thank you. Bye. Now, I had an email question come in. You know, we've had a lot of uh, questions about air conditioners today. Hi, Jim. Wanted your advice on whether I need an air return filter in the house built in 2015. The house has a 5-inch filter in the attic. There is no box to hold an air return filter in the corridor ceiling, just a grill. The explanation was that the design of the system does not require a 1-inch air return filter, which would be detrimental to the work of the system. Would be grateful for your opinion. Thank you. Okay, 
the five inch filter in the attic is the air filter. You don't need the, the one inch filter in the grill. The five inch filter actually typically will do a much better job if you did want to put in a five inch filter, or I'm sorry, a filter in the grill, you know, whether it's up in the ceiling or on the floor. The main reason you would want to do something like that is to catch large particles like say dog hair or something like that catch it before it goes in and, and clogs up the media filter however the downside of it is every inch of filter you put on puts that much more drag on your air conditioning system and yes the system was probably designed to have five inches of filter nothing wrong with that at all but you're talking about adding another inch of filter that puts a little drag on the system and everything that you do that adds more drag to the system the system loses efficiency that's one of the reasons we got to change our filters on a regular basis if we just let them clog up the air the, the drag gets so heavy that the system isn't moving enough air to properly work and that's where it becomes less efficient and your filters do the same thing even though they're nice and clean and new the more inches of filter you put, the more drag on the system. It's Again, it's designed to have, you know, whatever one was designed to be in the system. It, it just happened to be all old systems had one-inch filters. Most newer systems go with a four to six-inch, what they call media filter, and it takes out uh, smaller particles than the old one-inch filters did. There's a big difference between using the uh, fiberglass filters versus the pleated filters even when you're using the one inch filters now one thing that the pleats do for you is it gives you more surface area for the air to go through so it again if you were going to do anything if you've got one of these you know four five six whatever inch media filters uh, if you were going to do anything you simply use a fiberglass filter to catch really large particles uh, like the dog hair and things like that, but it's really not advisable. I wouldn't do it unless I had some type of extreme uh, something happening at the home. Had an email question, interesting one come in. My wife listens to your show, show occasionally. She remembers that you had a guest within the last six months that dealt with insurance companies that are dragging their feet. My son and his wife have now been living out of a hotel room for 61 days, and they have not received one dime from the insurance yet. This has resulted in them getting behind on their bills due to the uncompensated out-of-pocket bills that were unexpected and continue to this day, can you tell us which of your shows and who was a guest? Well, it really wasn't a single guest. What we were talking about was public adjusters. And when you have an insurance claim that's not moving the way it should be moving or you're not getting paid the amount you should be getting paid, call a public adjuster. You can Google them. There's a lot of them out there. I do know some, but uh, basically what the public adjuster will do is he'll go through and put the claim together and deal with the insurance company to try to get you a settlement. On this particular case, I think the first thing they would do is get you some money coming in to offset your living expenses. Um, I'm sure there are some policies out there that don't cover these type of living expenses, but it would really surprise me that somebody's got one that would cover this long without living expenses or 
getting the structure put back together. So with that, that's what you're looking for is a public adjuster. And if you get suffered storm damage and you're not getting the results you need out of your insurance company for roof damage or anything like that, that's what public adjusters are for. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.